Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Hope of Advent. This is actually our last week in this series. We've been in this Advent season of anticipating the coming of Christ. We've looked at hope, we've looked at peace, we've looked at joy. This week, we are gonna look at love, and specifically, we're gonna go back to that Luke 2 story, the Christmas story that we find there, and see why it is cause for love in our lives. Let's get into it. Perfect. So let's read together Luke 2, verses 16 through 19. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, when I think we, we looked at in the past about uh, the shepherds, like where they were and how, I guess, how revolutionary really it was that this announcement, this great announcement of Jesus coming in, into the world was given to them. Um, but I also want to take a little moment, just a moment to look at Mary as well, right? Like we see Mary, Mary isn't in, in and of herself special like she doesn't come from a special family line um in fact she's from kind of a small backwater rural town called nazareth it's it's if you think about nazareth it's almost like nazareth is the wrong side of the tracks it's the part of wherever you live that you're like i don't want to live in that town <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah that's, that's a nazareth it's a part you drive right by and say, okay, uh, bye Nazareth, roll them exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> Nazareth is a, it's a, it's a drive-by town, right? You're not looking for real estate in Nazareth, but that is where Mary's from. It's actually in uh, John chapter one, we see Jesus uh, bringing together his disciples. And one of them says, Nazareth, like, can, it, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like this is the cultural understanding of this place. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Like we said, Nazareth is, it's a drive-by town. It's a part of town that you don't want to live in. Um, it's a part of town that you want to get out of. <laughs> and what's interesting when we think about Mary, this one who's found favor with God is what the angel says to her in the chapter before. She's the beloved. Um, but why is she the beloved? Because there's nothing about her in and of herself and of her situation that would go, yeah, God would absolutely pick her. But yet that's where we find ourselves. And it's not necessarily because of who she is or what she's accomplished, but it's because of who God is and that God is love. And she finds favor with God, which is really interesting before she does anything, right? Like we have the blessing of hindsight. We have the blessing of looking back in history and going, well, yeah, she's Mary. Look at her. Of course, she was the one who was chosen. But in time, in real time, it's she finds favor with God, and it's before she does anything. Um, it's before she becomes, quote unquote, Mary, when she's just Mary from Nazareth, the one who's I think is 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 engaged to be married to Joseph. That Mary, yes, that Mary, she is the one who finds favor with God, and this is before she does a thing. And this says a lot about who God is: is that we find favor with God before we do anything with God for God because God is love. Yeah, that's so great. And, and we get this beautiful view of Mary, right? In verse 19 from Luke 2 that we just read, where it says, but Mary 
treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She placed them deep in her recesses, in her heart, somewhere where she knew that they would stay because she wanted to remember and focus and spend time with and treasure and adore the act of God's love that was taking place. And that, and, and that for Mary, in many ways, was just beginning, right? Um, and, and that's this beautiful picture of what do we treasure, right? Is we love the things that we treasure. And that's this truth that we go, well, yeah, that makes sense. But then you start to think about it and you start to think, wait, okay, what do I really treasure? And what is that saying about me and about the things that I love or place value in, right? And so, like, we've kind of used that term a bit loosely nowadays is, is these are my treasures or I treasure this. But Mary shows us that, no, is we, is, is a treasure is the most important thing. It's, it's the thing that you love which we're going back to the original word of love and not just the um, run-of-the-mill love that we talk about nowadays, but just kind of like a deep affection for, right? And this view of treasure is seen throughout Scripture, and it's implying that of which is of utmost value, right? And so what we can see out of this and see from Mary is this reminder for us of what do we truly treasure? What do we keep carefully? What gets the best of your time? What do you put your focus in? What do you adore, right? These are questions that we can be asking ourselves in this season to make sure that we are taking that step back and that we are reminded to fix our eyes on the treasure that is Jesus in this season, right? But he, it, he, he is our treasure and he treasures us. That's what's so beautiful. And so I, I just hope that this part serves as a little reminder and ask yourself the questions. What do you keep carefully? What do you treasure and ponder in your heart? What gets the best of your thought life, of your time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think when I think about treasure, it's like their treasure is the fruit, but it reveals what's at the root. Yeah. The root is what, what do we love? And that ultimately gets expressed in treasure, like what we keep carefully. Um, and we see this idea pop up throughout scripture. Um, you know, I think most famously probably with uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says like, don't sort for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. And then he says this, which is kind of like the mic drop moment for your treasure is there your heart will be also, and the heart is central to this. I think when we think about, you know, why we're talking about love, right? So why are we talking about treasure? Why are we talking about where our heart is? Well, it's all connected and it reveals what we love. Yeah, it's true. The heart is a Hebrew idiom that we can see in scripture. It's just talking about the core of who you are. That's what it's talking about. It's not actually talking about the organ, you know, that right. is pumping blood and keeping you alive, but it's talking about your core. It's the place where your mind and your will 
meat is referred to as the heart. It is the core. It is the center of who you are. And so when we're asking this question of where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That's essentially saying that what you treasure it reveals a lot about who you are. It reveals not only what you love, but it can reveal how you think. It can reveal your motives. It can reveal your innermost intentions and thoughts because that is your whole being, your heart, your center, your everything is going towards this. So when we're saying um, to treasure, you this truth of Jesus and his love for you, we are talking about that from a place of with your innermost being, with your core, is it's looking at how deeply, how affectionately, how all-encompassing is your love for the Lord. Yeah. You know, we don't use it necessarily, that word, the exact same way, but, but kind of. We still have sayings like... So we talk about we love something with all of our heart, right? What we're really trying to get at is like with everything in us, we love this person or we love this thing. Um, but then she also talks about like she treasures in her heart, but then she meditates on them. Um, now, if we think about that for a little bit, right, there's like a traditional view of meditation where it's like, okay, I want to empty my mind of everything. Um but when we think about that from a Christian view, from a Christian lens, it's not about emptying our mind. It's actually about sitting with something and letting it fill our mind, letting it fill us up. So my question is, do you think about this? Do we think about this? Do we think about the love that God has for us, the love that has entered the world? What does that mean to us? Do we sit with that? Do we meditate with that? Do we let that thought expand in our minds? Because this is what she's doing explicitly in this, is she's meditating on these things. She's sitting with it. She's letting them fill up in her mind. And it's this, that God is with us. And if God is with us, therefore God's love is with us. Because God is love. We see that right in 1 John 4. So there's two truths here that you are constantly being loved. I want to let that just kind of hang. Think about that. You are constantly in a state of being loved by Jesus. There's never a moment, there's never a circumstance where you are not actively being loved by God, where you're not actively being loved by Jesus. There's also another way we could probably say is there's never a moment, there's never a situation you find yourself in where you are not actively being treasured by Jesus. And it sounds kind of funny to say that, like, Jesus treasures me? You know, Linda and I talked about this. It's like, sometimes we don't even like ourselves. So like, how does that work where God loves us and likes us and treasures us? But it's the truth of the gospel. That's what makes it so beautiful that Jesus loves, Jesus treasures us, his children, his family. And that's a truth that we need to sit with. That's a truth that we have to let really expand in our mind and meditate with that we are always being loved by God. It's not like a day-to-day -day thing where, you know, today, if I really perform well, God loves me. Tomorrow, if I don't perform well enough or I don't hit the, the, the morals that I, I say I believe and that I want to live up to, if I don't, then God doesn't love me. That's not how it works. Jesus loves us continually for eternity 
in eternity past and present in eternity future as well. And I think that is something that I know I'll say, I don't think about that enough. You know, I kind of think about it in the sense of like, you know, Jason, yeah, I get it. Jesus loves me, you know. Yes, I know for the Bible tells me. <laughs> you so. know, exactly. I right? kind of like the, the cute song you sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Right? I should say, my two-year-old son just started singing that song. Yeah, God bless him. It is, it is precious. But yes, back to your point. <laughs> right. At a certain age, right, like the truth that's in that song is kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm also told to love my cousins. I don't really know them. Like for me in particular, I didn't grow up like in the same town as my cousins. So it's kind of like, I see you at Christmas, Thanksgiving maybe. And this is like before social media. So there's no real way for us to really keep in touch. Um, but it's like, I, I mean, I think I love you, but also I don't really know you as well as I say I know you, but my mom's like, you better say you love your, your cousins. Um, but that's not the, it's not the obligatory, like family, you must love them. No, like this is a deep seated, like we talked about to the core at God's heart of who he is, he's love. And because of that, he loves us. So what I want us to do, right? We've been going through this rhythm, this motion where we teach, where Brandon comes on and we kind of sit with the truth. We let it expand or meditate exactly what we're talking about and reflect on what this means for our lives. So we're going to continue to do just that right now. Brandon is going to take us deeper into the story and help us meditate on this love. Thanks, Brandon. Now let's enter into this time together and experience this God of love. May this be a moment of pause for you, a refreshing reorienting in the presence of the God who is with us. To start, take a deep breath, spend the next few seconds in quiet. If it helps, close your eyes and prepare for the time ahead. Ask God to speak to you what he wants you to hear. And all who heard the news were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2, 18 through 19. Knelt down, her body overwhelmingly tired, yet deeply relieved, her back resting against cold stone. She feels a rest that she has never felt before. She stares through tears, into the eyes of the one that will change everything, that has already changed everything. It's amazing how drastically different your world can feel in just a matter of months. Less than a year ago, if you'd have told Mary that she would have been here, in this place, in this reality, it would have been unthinkable like a story from an alternate universe. Her world had been turned upside down. Less than a year before, life was life. She was checking the boxes and cruising through. And then, everything changed. The arrival of an angel. The destruction of a reputation. 
the rejection from her community, the sacrificial embrace of her fiancé, and the hope for all mankind. And now, nine months later, the world, her world, is almost unrecognizable. Her daily patterns have been totally upended. See, after an extended stay with her cousin to mitigate the curious and judgmental eyes, Mary and Joseph have a quiet wedding. No celebration, no crowds, just a man marrying his already pregnant wife. Maybe some clapping hands from a few very close friends. In political news, decrees from Emperor Augustus have the entire world in chaos, as everyone is sheltering now in their own hometowns to be taxed. King Herod has heard of a new king rising up to challenge his rule, and his soldiers stalk about, listening for whatever news they may find. Fear, chaos, unsettledness, division, isolation. And in this darkness, in this world so different from what it was just months before, Mary treasures all of these things. Literally, she holds them closely. She holds all of this closely. The upside-down world, the isolation from loved ones, the division in her community, the loss and pain, and the sacrificial love of her new husband, the hope for the world, the promise of God to make things right. And as she holds all of this closely and ponders it, right there, in her arms, she holds closely to the light that has entered this dark world. In her arms is God's response to all of this brokenness, all of this fear. She holds his word on the matter, his promise, here in the flesh. Right there in all of the pain, the unresolved, the loss, God had birthed and was birthing something good, right there, in her, and through her. She held him closely. She treasured him. And more than she could ever understand, as she held him closely, she was held closely by him. She was treasured. She was loved. Take a moment. Hold these things closely and be held closely by Him. And all who heard the news were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2, 18 through 19. Through Mary's story, let's rediscover God's love, beginning with hesed. Hesed is the Hebrew word for love. This is the love we live in. You may see it translated in the Old Testament as covenantal love, everlasting love, or loving kindness. This word is about commitment, about attachment. It often shows up to explain God's committed love to his people Israel, 
No matter the circumstances, no matter the faults or mistakes, no matter the difficulty, God stuck to his commitment to his promise that he will be their God and they will be his people. This shows up in his own name, as shared with Moses in Exodus 3. While he is Yahweh, the great I Am, he is also named the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His own name is attached to the people he loves. And we are made for this type of attachment. Our lives begin with desperate psychological and physiological need for this Hesed type of love. Over the last couple hundred years, a growing body of scientific work has established that an infant's survival and ability to thrive is dependent on the love, nurture, and embrace of a primary caregiver. Without it, a whole host of social, psychological, physical, and emotional problems can emerge. When loving attachment is present, there are decreased levels of fear, increased levels of security and courage, and a greater ability to be connected to others. This is what Hesed love does. It creates a space for being held closely. As a result, it says, do not be afraid. It says, you are loved. It says, you are delighted in. It says, you are a part of us. With the announcement from the angel that she would bear a child, Mary was swept into a story much larger than her own, that her own son would welcome her into a bigger family, a larger identity, that she would become an adopted daughter of the king, a member of God's family. God made you to love you, and when we don't feel this love from others, it stings, it bites at our deepest identity level. Noticing and naming these places of woundedness is the exact place where God can bring you deep and restorative healing. Think of some facet of yourself, some memory, where you did not receive the love you were made to receive. Hold it in your hands before your Creator. Ponder these things in your heart the way Mary did. With what is in your hands, he says to you, you are wanted, you are loved, you are a part of my family, you are enough. Your father embraces you, treasures you, holds you closely. Pause for some time in thanks, and then in his healing, loving embrace. And all who heard the news were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2, 18 through 19. If Hesed is the love we live in, Agape is the love we live out. Agape love is about seeking the good of the other. It is entirely about the other. It is about seeking their good even when it comes at great cost to us. It shows up in the way a mother cares for a baby. She spends her nights sleepless, offering nutrients from her own body. 
constantly protects, embraces, and nurtures this infant. Even when she receives nothing in return, you know, the baby screams in her ear or spits up on her clothes or wakes her up during her sleep. Even then, she loves. She gives. Agape is a giving love. In her arms, Mary held closely the embodiment of this outward-oriented love. Now, this love is not easy. It means embracing amidst the pain. It means forgiving. It means gently correcting. It means having those hard conversations that would be easier not to have. Now, the world needs this agape love. It needs a love that seeks the good of the other, no matter who that other is and no matter the cost or inconvenience to ourselves. God wants the love he showers on us to flow to those around us. Take some time and thank God for when you have received this agape love, and then ask God who he would want you to offer it to. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in you, my God and my Savior. For you have been mindful of me, your servant. I am blessed and loved, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is your name. Your Hesed love extends to all your sons and daughters from generation to generation. Help me live in this love. In your agape love, You've brought down corrupt rulers from their thrones and have lifted up the humble, filling the hungry with good things. Help me live out this love. In light of your coming, you're holding me near. Help me live in your committed love. Help me live out your others-oriented love. In the name of Jesus, Amen. I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, what is getting the best of my time? Right? We saw from Mary that she stored these things up, she treasured them, and she pondered them in her heart. So I want you to think about what are you pondering in your heart? And then what does this answer tell you about yourself? What does this answer tell you about where your mind is at right now, about where your heart, your soul, and your strength is at right now? I want you to remind yourself that you, yes you, are constantly being loved by God, and that this is exactly what he intended. It's Christmas week. We, are, we get to celebrate Christmas in a few days. So I want you to take this time and I want you to affirm and show your love for somebody, anybody. Pick a name, the first person that comes to your mind maybe, or maybe the last person that comes to your mind. And I want you to affirm and show love for that person three times this week, right? Why not? Why not? And I want you to show them and exude 
the spirit of Christmas, which is about he who first loved us, now we love in return, right? So friends, we love you. We are so grateful that you spent these four weeks with us going through Advent. And over the next few days up until Christmas, think back about our time together. I think back about the hope of Advent, the peace of Advent, the joy of Advent, and of course the love of Advent. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week